I'm sorry to inform you, but I'm going to have to go off the track and just preach what I feel the Spirit is saying to us now. Is that all right? Because uh, you know I wanted to preach a Christmas sermon this morning and I felt the Holy Spirit say, those people already know what it means. Y'all know what Christmas means? Jesus was born in a manger for the sins of the world. He came and he lived and he died. He went to heaven and if you don't repent, you'll go to hell. That's the story. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? And this baby who was born in Bethlehem is not a baby today. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he's going to come back and rule the nations with a scepter. Somebody say amen. And I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Next week, I'm going to be really dignified. And I'm going to preach you a Christmas sermon. But today, I feel like I need to give you a word. Is that all right? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm ready for this because I needed it all week. Come on, look to your neighbor. So I'm going to give you a word today. And I want you to open up your ears. And I want you to open up your heart. And I want you, now I'm going to preach on Christmas next week, so just open up. Because this is, sometimes, you know, being a pastor, you just got to be spontaneous, all right? You just got to kind of go with the flow. Am I right about it? I believe that God wants us to be a river and not a reservoir. Is that all right? Sometimes you just got to learn how to flow. And sometimes as a pastor, we want to get stuck and not flow. If I ever get stuck, I give you permission, just slap me at the door. Is that all right? Just slap. Is that all right? If I, if I dry up and, I, and I'm not in tune with the Lord, please somebody come and tell me, don't be a six-foot icicle roaming about the pulpit. Get on fire for the Lord and give them. We're tired of dead sermonettes given to dead peopleettes. We want a word from the living God that will transform and change our lives. Can I hear an amen? I'm tired of dead church. I'm tired of dead church people. I want, I, I like the life of God. I like the river of God. I like a live church. I like a prophetic church. I like a church that's flowing in the spirit where souls are saved and bodies are healed and people's lives are transformed and changed by the power of the living God. I want a church where people are filled with the spirit of God. I don't want a church where people come and sing some songs, listen to the preacher preach, give it some offering and leave and go home and say, boy, we had church this morning. No, I want lives to be transformed and changed by the power of the living Christ. Do you want that type of church? And I, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, that if we're not careful, we worship the machine instead of following the mission. We get so hooked, we get so bent out of shape with church buildings and programs. You, you know what you're doing? You're worshiping the machine and you're not following the mission. You become discouraged when you look at the machine and you don't follow the mission. Follow programs. Programs is fine. Facilities are fine. Structure is fine. That's all good and important. But that is the machine to carry the mission. And the machine never should be worshipped. The mission should be followed. 
And there's a difference. And what happens in church is that we have a tendency to worship the machine instead of following the mission. And you know what? People leave churches because they are machine-driven and not mission-driven. Now, I'm preaching up in here right now. Because you know why I'm preaching? I drank some coffee this week. I just need somebody in the balcony to stand up and say it. Come preach it. Thank you, sister. Coffee and the Holy Ghost will do you wonders. If you believe that coffee and the Holy Ghost is good, wave your hand and say amen. All right, and, and a little Krispy Kreme donut too. But we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't deal with that. So people leave churches because they are machine driven and not mission driven. You know, let me give you an example. I don't like it. What you're saying is you don't like the machine. You don't like the vehicle that's carrying the mission. What is the mission of this church? Grow in God, serve with man, and change the world. That's what we're about. We're about you growing spiritually. That's why you should come on Wednesday night and grow. We're about you serving. I want you to come. You're not called to sit, sour, and soak and sit on a church pew because anytime you sit in a church pew, it becomes pew. Can I hear an amen? And we're called to change the world. You know, we reached a few hundred kids yesterday. That's not a lot. But thank God we're doing something and not sitting on church pews. Can I hear an amen? So the Spirit of the Lord is saying to someone this morning, don't be machine-driven, be mission-driven. Quit worshiping the machine and be mission-driven. Because that's what it's about. It's about being mission-driven. And so I felt like the Spirit is, has a specific word for this church on this day. And obviously the Spirit was moving earlier, and I, I'm standing in the presence of the Lord, and I felt like, the Spirit was confirming, see, this is the direction I want you to go in. And so, you don't even have to turn to your Bibles. It'll be right here. I just want to read one verse. It's 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. 1 Kings 18, 41. Then Elisha, who is a prophet, said to Ahab, who is the king, a wicked king, he said, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, I want to stop here, because any time you read Scripture, you've got to know the historical context behind the Scripture. Is that right? Any person can take a text, take it out of text, and make it a pretext for anything you want. So, to know the historical context here, Elisha is in a three-year famine, and there is no food, and there is no water. He's in a three-year famine, and Elisha is praying, as a matter of fact, he had his head between the knee, his knees there, and he's praying. The Lord spoke to him. And so now he's prophesying and saying, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, it's interesting to me that when I begin to read this story, that this story has a whole lot to do with our lives. It really is a story of faith. And I want to make sure you understand something, that everything that happens in your life it happens for a reason, everything. And the reason that it happens for a reason is because there is a battle for your faith. You remember what Jesus said to Peter? The enemy desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you 
that your faith would fail not. So everything that happens to you is a battle for your faith. Sickness is a battle for your faith. Poverty is a battle for your faith. Can I hear an amen? Trials and conflict is a battle for your faith. Marriage problems is a battle for your faith. The enemy uses situations that comes along in your life. He uses it to get to your faith. There is a battle for your faith. And that is why Jesus said that some people will receive the word and some will receive it with gladness. Some will receive it for a short amount of time. Some will let the cares of this world choke out the word of God. What is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is saying everything that happens to you is a battle for your faith. Everybody that gets on your nerves is a battle for your faith. Come on, somebody. It's a battle for your faith. And you've got to make a decision that no matter what comes my way, no matter what the devil throws at me, no matter what the plot of the enemy is, no matter what the scheme of the enemy is, the enemy is not getting my faith. My faith is strong. My faith is secure. No matter what the enemy throws against me, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stand vibrant. I'm going to be persistent. And I'm going to be consistent. He ain't getting my faith. And the reason he ain't getting my faith is because the Lord prayed for me that my faith would fail not. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and thank the Lord he's praying for us? And as I look around this building this morning, I see lots of people that's not here. You know why they're not here? Because the devil got to their faith. He got to their faith. They were discouraged and they lost out with God. You know why they lost out with God? Because their faith wasn't strong enough to contain the storm. The storm reveals the foundation by which you lived your life. You have to have a storm because it really reveals what you have built your life upon. Your source determines whether you are sustained in the storm. Your source determines whether you are sustained in the storm. Your source determines how you are sustained in the storm. If your source is money and pleasure and self-gratification and running after the things of this world, if that's your source, it's not going to sustain you in the storm and you're going to lose out on God. Did you hear me? You're going to give up because your source is not sufficient to sustain you. On Christ the solid rock I stand. He becomes my source. He is my source that could sustain me in the middle of the storm. And this, this word here, Elisha, is in the middle of a famine. And he makes a prophetic declaration. You better get up and eat and drink because there is the sound of abundance of rain. And I want you to see this in the scripture, that in your spiritual life concerning your faith, there are three different levels of faith. Three different levels of faith. You ready for it? Somebody say, I'm ready for it. The first level of faith is called not yet season. The not yet season of faith. Number one, the not yet season of faith. Somebody say, not yet. Somebody shout, not yet. Now, what do I mean by that? Get this. Elisha stands up and he says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. 
He, he doesn't see the rain, does he? He what? So this season, the not yet season, is a season in your life where you've got to exercise your faith because it is a season in your life that you hear something, you sense something, but you do not see it. In other words, I sense something that I cannot see. Can I say that one more time up in this holiness church? Is that all right? The season is called the not yet season. Why? Elisha said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Elisha never saw it. He heard about it. This is the season of your life where you have to exercise your faith most aggressively because it is the season of your life that you hear something from God, you sense something from God, but you do not see anything from God. I sense it, but I do not see it. Is there anybody in the building this morning saying, I've been there before? I sense it, but I do not see it. Somebody shout hallelujah. In other words, Pastor David, what I sense is in contradiction to what I see. When I look around, I see nothing. When I look around, I see no rain clouds. When I look around, I see broken marriages. When I look around, I see people miserable and depressed and oppressed. When I look around, I see a lack of hunger in people for the things of God. When I look around, I could easily become distressed because what I sense contradicts what I see. Can I hear, is there anybody in the building that can help Pastor Josh out and say, I've been there. I'm believing God for something and I see nothing. I'm believing God that God would turn around and I see nothing. Is there anybody, am I talking to anybody in here? And I want to, I got a word for you. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he didn't speak it. I'm about to shout up in here. Y'all ready? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he didn't speak it. Somebody needs to get mad at the devil this morning and say, I know I can't see it. I know sometimes I, 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 I'm doubting whether it's going to happen, but on the inside of me, I sense a great move of God. On the inside of me, I sense provision. On the inside of me, I sense God breaking out and doing something that I cannot do in my human flesh. This is a season where you sense it, but you do not see it. It's the not yet season. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he didn't speak it. Now, what happens is Elisha says, I hear the sound of, I hear it, can't see it. Hear the sound of abundance of rain. And then the story takes a little turn here because he then tells the servant, hey servant, go up there and tell me what you see. And the servant Pastor David, y'all know what the servant did. Verse number 30, verse 43. Put it up there. 1 Kings 18, 43. 
And this is what happened. The servant said, go up, he said, towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And seven times the servant came back and said, there is nothing. Have you ever sensed something inside of you and yet everybody else is telling you there's nothing? <laughs> Can I come over here and preach a little bit? I said, have you ever sensed something on the inside of you and still people around you are saying, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. I mean, you, you got it so much on the inside of you, you're like, man, I sense that God wants to do something and people around you are like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see nothing. I see empty pews. I see empty chairs. I, I mean, where is everybody? But on the inside of Pastor Josh, there is so, come on, inside of me, I see people saved and I see people delivered. I see people running to the front. On the inside of me, I sense something greater than we could ever imagine. What you sense contradicts what you see. The servant said, there is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. And he keeps telling the servant, go back and see if you see anything. I'm sure that servant probably got an attitude. Dude, don't you think three times is enough? I told you, dude, there's nothing. Because you know what true faith is? True faith never gives up. Keep going back, baby, because I believe someday we're going to see. That's why... You all can't get discouraged no matter who comes to church and who don't come to church because we're looking again. Every Sunday we're looking. Every Sunday we're looking. Every Sunday we're looking. And some of you see nothing. But I promise you there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand and it's getting ready to rain again. And the servant said there's nothing because I want to tell y'all something. Not everybody is on your spiritual level. There will be some people that all they see is nothing. You can preach until your veins pop out of your neck. And I could shout and run the seats, and they'll sit right there and do this. And to them, they don't see nothing. They still have the stinking thinking. They still, they don't still, they don't honor God. They still gossip like a slate sailor. Come on, somebody. They still live because to them, church is just church on Sunday. It doesn't affect their life. But come on, somebody. But when you get in the word of God, you start to sense that God wants to do something more than you've ever seen with your natural eye. I've, I've pastored, y'all know, I, I'm young, but I have an old soul. Y'all know, you know, I was raised in the old church, Sister Sean Sandra, old church. I mean, we, we, would, we would sing that song, I know, 50 times just to get the spirit move. And then when the sister started to buck, we, we really speeded up. <laughs> and that sister get out in the aisle and see, she start dancing, and then somebody else starts bucking, and we just keep on with the same song. How many knows what I'm talking about? Nowadays, we sing the same song when we're like, what? How many times are they going to sing that thing? Y'all still love me? Is this all right? I know some of you look like I have flipped the lid, but I haven't flipped the lid because 2018 is going to be a good year around here, y'all. <laughs> y'all hear me? I said 2018 is going to be a good year. 
I, I was praying. I said, Lord, oh God, please. I was like, Lord, I fought so many battles. Fought, Lord. We've all fought battles. I'm telling the Lord how I felt. And I felt like the Lord impressed on me. He said, the first three years that you were in this building was a struggle, but the next three years was going to be glorious. I wish somebody just stand to your feet. I wish somebody would just give God praise. Is this all right, somebody? Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just need to tell you something. Can I, can I tell you something? I was praying. Sister Mona, I was praying. Come up here, sister. I was praying. I said to Sister Mona, I said to, to her last night, I said, Sister Mona, now I want you to verify, sister. I said, sister, I said, God needs to move. Now, now, hold on here. You guys do great financially, honestly. Honest to God, don't they? We, you, wonderful financially. We, every bill has always been paid on time, never late. Everything's taken care of. Wonderful to move from where we were. Wonderful. Amen. This ain't no poor church. Acting like we're poor. We ain't poor. Get rid of that mentality. You say, but yeah, but. No, no, what I sense contradicts what I see, but I, but oh, oh but. So I, so, so I don't know, last month or whatever, it, for three or four weeks, it just really went down. Now, the attendance was really good, just went down. So we looked at previous years, and that was just what it was. Previous years, November, it was just down month. So Sister Mona, I told Sister Mona, Mona, I went in her office. She said, well, Pastor, I paid everything. Everything's fine. It's just that it's been, it's been down. And I said, that's all right, because I sense in the Holy Spirit that somebody is going to write a check. <laughs> so, so I started, I, st I went downstairs in the prayer room. I said, Lord, you sent me here. And I said, Lord, you sent us here to prosper more than we've ever prospered before. And Lord, I thank you that sister so-and-so is not my provider and brother so-and-so is not my provider. You're my provider. I thank you, Lord, that you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Now, where is the staff member? So is the staff members? am I telling the truth here? Am I telling, come up here, Pastor David. Come up here. So I started praying and I started walking around and I said, Pastor, I went into a staff meeting. Pastor said, well, Pastor, don't worry about it because I saw something in the spirit. What did you see? Well, when he, when he told us what was going on, he said, we have no worries because God does take care of us. And we know that, right? God takes care of us. But when he said that, before anything else came up, my spirit leaped like Mary and Elizabeth came together. I mean, there was a leap in my spirit. And I looked over at Pastor and I started laughing and I said, Pastor, something's getting ready to happen. We just need to get prepared for it because it's coming. Okay, and so, and so uh, Sister Mona was like, you know, Pastor... You know, I know God's going to, I said, Sister Mona, I promise you one of these days you're going to be counting millions in your office. Just get ready. And you know, Sister Mona, she's in there. Woo, glory. I said, it's going to happen, Sister Mona. And so I came in on a Thursday morning and Mona started dancing in the kitchen. I said, Sister Mona, what's wrong? She said, I just want to let you know that on a Wednesday night, somebody wrote an unexpected $10,000 check. I just wish I had about 50 people to stand to your feet and give God a praise. 
I want somebody to stand to your feet and give him a praise. We don't serve no broke God. <laughs> Come on, somebody ought to praise him right there. Come on, somebody ought to praise him right there. Sometimes what you sense contradicts what you see. Am I, am I right about it? What we sense contradicts what we see. But that is the level of faith that many people give up on. Well, I don't see it. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain, but it's not raining. I don't even see no storm clouds. Y'all better help me out. I look around, can't find no single women. And I'm like, Lord, it ain't raining up in here. But I know it's going to rain. Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody wave your hand and say, I know it's going to rain. And all you single people, you better get ready. Because we're going to go into 2018 with the favor of Almighty God. So, so what you sense contradicts what you see. And if you're not careful, Jezebel, 1 Kings 19.2, comes along and she intimidates you in that phase. The phase of, I sense it, but I don't see it, that's the phase that Jezebel comes and she intimidates you and tells you she's going to kill you. Because the enemy comes along and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And you're like, go ahead and just kill me because it ain't happening anyway. I've prayed about it and I don't sense it. I've fasted and it don't happen. What I sense and what I see is contradicting myself. It ain't happening. And the enemy wants to tell you that it's not significant what you're doing. You going to church isn't working anyway. You're giving your tithe isn't working anyway. Every time the preacher asks you to praise God, he just wants you to get radically. It ain't working anyway. That's it's a tactic of the enemy. Je Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Elisha went down by a tree. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elisha. He said, so let the gods do to me. And also more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them tomorrow about this time. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. Now what happened to this man of great man of faith and power who was praying that God would send the rain? Because that's what the devil does. He comes to you in that season and says you should just give up. Because what you sense and what you see doesn't match up. Is this all right? How did I get so radical today? I said, how did I get so radical today? Is this all right? So, look to your neighbor and say, I know something's going to happen. And after I get done preaching, we're going to have some fried chicken. Come on, somebody. So, the not yet faith. Now, hold on, hold on. So, the messenger came back the seventh time. Is it the seventh time? And what did the messenger say? I see a cloud. What is it? About the size of a man's hand. Now hold on here. What's the first level of faith? Can't see it. Not yet season. The not yet season. It's not there. I sense it, 
but I don't see it. I hear something. I hear the sound of abundance, but I don't see anything. But the next level of faith is called, put it up there. The next level of faith is not, not much season. Now, hold on here. What do you mean not much? What does the Bible say? Where does it say he, he's, verse 44? Yeah, 1 Kings 18, 44, look at it. 1 Kings, then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of a sea. What is the first level of faith? Not yet. You, you sense it, but you don't see it. The second level of faith is this. It's not much. It's just a little. It's just what? It's just what? It's just a little hand. About, it's just a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. You see, the first level of faith is I hear it, but I don't see it. What I sense is contradicts what I see, the not yet phase. The second phase is when the servant said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. This level of faith is called not much season. It, it's, a, it's a level in your life that things are happening but it's not very much. It's not to the proportion that you want. Can I hear an amen? I mean, it's good that we're growing, but we want to grow faster. Can I hear an amen? It's good that people are giving, but yet we want more. Can I hear an amen? It's good that Amy got saved, but we want somebody else to get saved. It's the, it's, it's the season that is not happening as fast as you think it is. Can I hear an amen? But you see, the problem is, is with this season, is that we get angry with God because God is not giving us as much as we have requested. But this is the process that the Lord says, listen, the storms of your life was sent to reveal my presence. That's the reason that I put you in the storm was to reveal what's on the inside of you, to reveal the, the foundation that you're built upon. I sent the storm so that it can reveal my presence in your life. If there is no storm, there is no presence. How do you know that God is a provider if you are never stuck in a situation where you needed God to provide? How do you know that God is a healer if you're never stuck in a situation where your body is ravished with pain and you need God to come through at the last minute? Am I talking to anybody in the building? How do you know that God is a God that can bring you through if you've never went through anything? So he starts with the first season that you sense it but you do not see it. And then it goes to the second stage that you see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. It's not much. It's not much. But that's how God provides. The little boy's lunch wasn't a lot, but he used the lunch and fed the multitude. God is saying, I want to take little and I want to multiply it so you can see my hand. See, the Bible says that Jezebel came and intimidated Elijah. 
The Bible says, hold on. He says, just kill me. How can a man of such faith become so discouraged? It happens to the best of us. God's mighty men and women that he's used in the world probably had some of the greatest battles in their life. You don't even know the battles they go through. But greater the anointing is greater the battle. And so Jezebel said, I'm, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Y'all know that Jezebel couldn't kill him because what God blessed can't no man curse. Did you hear me? What God is blessed can't no man curse. And if she really wanted to kill him, why did she send a messenger to him first? Because that's what the enemy does. The enemy intimidates you. And my question to you is this. Why did this man of God run when Jezebel intimidated him? Hold on. The same man that prayed for the rain is the same man that's running from the rain. The same man that prayed for the rain after three years of doubt, drought is the same man that's running from the rain when Jezebel intimidated him. Because some of us survive better in the famine than we do in the season of blessing. Some of us has been in famine so long, it's comfortable there. You're comfortable being broke. You can't see your way out of it. You're comfortable for having a dysfunctional relationship because that's all you've ever had. You're comfortable attending a church where we sing a few songs and listen to a song because that's what some of us has always had. We've become comfortable. We survive better in the famine than we do in the season of blessing. Elisha was conditioned for three years to live in the famine, that it was easy for him to run away from the very thing he prayed for. That's why I can preach and preach and preach. Some of us, and I'm preaching to myself, we've lived in the famine so long, it's hard for us to see anything different. It's hard, and we run from it. The thing, when things start to change, we revert right back to where we've been comfortable for three years. God is trying to raise the level of faith at Christ's point. God is trying to stretch your faith to believe for the impossible. God is trying to get you out of that mindset that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Is there anybody in the building that what you sense is about ready to occur? That what you sense in the spirit realm is what you sense that God is trying to open up and reveal to us. What about it? The devil has lied to some of us. 
if the truth can set you free, then it stands to reason that lies bind you up. Listen to the lies of the devil for so long. Life can't get any better. Amy said this morning in class, I lived for 28 years believing I could never become free, Pastor. Boy, I about, I about shouted, didn't we, Luke? Where's Luke at? Luke, stand up. Luke got saved a few months ago, and Luke said, Pastor, he said this morning, he said this morning, Pastor, he said, I didn't even know, I didn't even know there was a trinity. And I'm in there teaching him the trinity. I said, but you know now, don't you? He said, yeah, it makes sense to me now. I said, because this morning I got a word. We're going to celebrate the little man's hand. We're going to celebrate the little. Come on, somebody. We're going to celebrate him knowing the trinity. We're going to celebrate somebody getting off of meth. We're going to celebrate the kids from yesterday. We're going to celebrate the cloud about the size of a man's hand. Some of you are waiting for the storm clouds and you have yet to celebrate the little man's hand. You got a first baby, learn how to kill the lion and the bear before you kill Goliath. We want to hoop and holler and cut Goliath's head off, but let's first stop at the lion and bear and celebrate it. Let's celebrate the little victories. And that's why I like a hoop and a holler in church, because I like to celebrate. You say, well, I don't like it. Well, some people like to yell it, and some people like to tell it. I like to yell it once in a while. Can I hear somebody say amen? I like a celebration church, because you know why I like a celebration church? Because for six days a week, the news is depressing. You go to the cashier, and they're depressing. You go out to eat and they're mad and upset. You drive on range line and they cut you off. Come on, somebody. Everybody's mad and upset and angry. But when I come to the house of God, I don't want you to act like what they've been acting like all week. I want us to lift our hands and magnify God and create a place where we know how to celebrate and give God the glory. Come on, somebody. Now, I know some of you don't like Mr. Trump, and I'm not saying he's perfect because he ain't perfect, but I just like how he tells it. Once in a while in the church, we just need to tell people just the way it is. We, we just want to patty cake people and make people feel good and, you know, pet people and say it's all going to be all right. I've done that for years. I have. I have changed so many diapers in 15 years. Y'all know, I've been pastoring, I'm young, but I've started, I started this thing when I was 21 pastoring, 22 or something. I pastored a church of 15 people, and the ceiling had tape hanging down from it. And ain't no money. I had to, I remember when I first started, I had to borrow $6 so I can eat on Sunday afternoon. Remember, had to go to the church on Sunday. I stayed at the church all Sunday afternoon to pray because there wasn't money to pay the electric bill. So I prayed all afternoon just to pay for the electric bill. And, and if 
they could even pay me. And I was trying to go to school. But I, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me as a young man, as I was praying, he said, son, if you can just learn to get through this season and learn how to pray, he said, there'll come a time in your life you'll not have to have to worry about it. But what I want to do in you and what I want to do through you is so much greater than what you could ever imagine. And so the Lord said, God, I haven't called you to give up. I didn't call you to teach you to swim, to let you drown. I didn't teach you to go this far to, to abandon the cross and abandon the crown. No, no, no. I've taught you. I've created you to be more than that. I've created you to be more than a conqueror. You're not going to give up. And the sheep are not better on the other side of the fence. So I've called you not to leave that church. I've called you to stay right here because I want to make a man of God out of you. And the reason that God can't make us, the reason that God can't make us into the people He wants us to be is because God can't catch some of us. Always looking for better green grass on the other side. Let me tell you something, baby. Sheep do their business on both sides of the fence. You know those type of people when they come to church. Pastor, I'm just here for a season. You know what they're saying? I don't want to be planted. I just want to be potted because I really want to do my own thing. I don't want to sit down and learn the Word of God and submit myself to a spiritual authority and let God do in me and through me what I can't do myself. I just want to stay here until, you know, if I get offended, I want to have the permission to leave. So I really don't want to make a commitment. And I have pastored those people for 15 years. And what happens? It, it becomes a door. People just cycle in, cycle out, cycle in, cycle out, cycle in, cycle out, cycle in. And they have this spirit. Well, God speaks to me too. So I'm just going to do my own thing. Listen, 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 listen. It's not how God works. You can't say no to the church. It's his institution. He created it. And no matter how bad you think about it, how bad you dislike it, and how bad you think it's corrupt, it's still his bride, still his church, still his idea, still his institution. You can't say yes to the head and no to the body. Can't do it. Can't do it. Because you all know you got some spouses that you think is corrupt, but you don't leave them. Some of you, come on, somebody, come on. You live with some people that you think you could change them, and, but you've made, made a commitment, so therefore you say that's, that's the way it should be in the body of Christ. This is the bride, this is the groom. I stick with it. I don't know, I've preached so hard this morning, I don't know if y'all are going to even come back. Are y'all with me? Y'all think I'm acting crazy today? Is this all right? How many would agree with me? And y'all know I'm preaching because I love y'all. Now, if y'all get offended, call Pastor Brandon. He'll take care of it. Call Pastor David. They'll take care of it. All right? If you want to leave me a nasty email, just I'm going to forward it all to these people. They'll, they'll take care of it. Is this all right? Y'all know I'm, I'm telling you this because I love you. 
And I am so tired of Pentecostal churches becoming so flaky. Flaky. So much flakes, they've left out the milk. I'm like, I mean flaky, Pastor David. I mean some of the flakiest people you meet is in Pentecostal churches because they're so driven by emotion. Up and down. Giving up. Throwing in the towel. It ain't working. My God, this not here, not at this church. This church, I prophesy, is going to be a solid biblical, committed church. This church is going to be a lighthouse to Galena and Joplin. This church is going to be a church that is not flaky but still spiritual. This church is going to be scriptural and spiritual. This church is going to be friendly and still engage the mind. Come on, somebody. This church is going to be a lighthouse to this region and to this city because God's going to do something spectacular in and through this building and this place. Is this all right? Years ago, I had somebody come to me and said, Pastor. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, uh, I want to marry brother so-and-so. I said, you do? You want to marry brother so-and-so, brother Paco, whoever he was. No joke, this is a true story. Now, his name wasn't Paco, but it was something out there. I said, you want to marry who? She said, yeah. I said, I thought you were married to Joe. Now, I'm substituted their name. She said, yeah, but I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to. I, this is the type of look I gave. Her response to me was, Pastor, but the Holy Spirit speaks to me too. I was like, girl, get my crucifix out right now, and we're going to do an exorcism right up in this altar right here. I'm getting my crucifix. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. There's a battle for your faith. I know we've laughed this morning. We shouted. I know I've preached hard a little bit, but you know I love you. I do. You'll, you ain't going to find any other pastor that loves you as much as I love you. I love you very much. Love you very much. And I'm not saying that boastfully. I'm not saying, I just say that with great confidence because I truly, and I love people so much that sometimes I, I'm not even hard because I love them so much. I don't want to offend people. But sometimes you can say something when the anointing gets on you. Is that all right? Somebody once said, Pastor, you, you're so sweet and so nice, but I didn't know you acted so crazy when you preached. Sometimes that's what happens when the anointing gets on you. It got on, it got, it got on Jehu and he outran the chariots of Je Jezebel and Ahab. Sometimes it just gets on you. Sometimes you can say stuff when it it's flowing. But whatever I say, I say it out of a heart of love and a heart of compassion. And I say it because I want you to grow. And any sermon I preach, I preach towards myself. I already, I'm already preaching it to myself. So I'm never exempt from my sermons. So I say this because I love you. And I truly believe 
the reason I felt like the Spirit impressed me to say this today is because I really believe going into that. I know we say this every year. But there is, I've sensed something greater in my own heart in the last few months than I've ever sensed in my whole time in ministry. I sense something so much greater. I've seen miracles, like just in the office, just miracles after miracles. Word after word, God confirming. I was praying the other day, and the Lord says, Son, he, he spoke to me. He said, Son, don't. Don't, 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 don't go ask people to go to your church. Don't, don't, don't go run after people. He says, because if you do that, you've got to do that to keep them. He says, but what I want to do is I'm going to build a church here so that I will get the glory. Not, not, not you. Not you or not you. That I build it, that I'll get the glory. Some of us is like, well, why, didn't God, why ain't God moving faster? Because that's the tension of faith. It never goes as fast as you think it should. It never goes the plan that you think it should go. Because God is saying the destination is not what's important. The process is as important as the destination. What I want to do in you is greater than what I'm trying to take you to. What I did in the children of Israel for 40 years... I could have done in 11 days if they would have just submitted to me. The promised land is not what I was trying to get them to. I was trying to get their heart in 11 days. The destination is not as important as what I want to do in you. See, that's the tension of faith. Because we want this to happen, we want this to happen, we want it to go fast. And God is saying, you eyes are too focused on the destination and you're forgetting the process so that's, that's the battle of our faith. The first season is the not yet season. I sense it, but I don't see it. The second phase is, it's not, not much phase. It's just the size of a man's hand. But we got to learn to celebrate the little. And you got to learn not to be intimidated by Jezebel. Don't be intimidated by a run from the very thing you've prayed for. The last phase is called the abundance phase. And this is a season. It doesn't last because our whole life circles around these seasons. That's why we come to church and somebody over here isn't in the abundant season. Things are doing well. Somebody over here is in the not yet season. Somebody here is in the not much season. But I think that the greater challenge is this. God wasn't trying to get Elisha out of the drought. He was in a famine for three years. God was trying to get the famine out of him. Because you can be in an abundant place in your life and your soul still be dry. You can be in a blessed situation and your soul still be dry. You can be winning on the outside and still weeping on the inside. The goal is not to get to a place goal is to allow him to do something. Somebody say amen.